0: God bless. Well, we're going to get started. Uh, we're continuing in our parable series. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20, if you want to open up there. Um, I have reversed back to the NIV translation. Sorry if you went out and bought an ESV. Uh, I may use it on occasion. and The reason just being, it, it just reads easier for me. Um, the NIV. Uh, And if there's something that's really important, uh, like some of the things in Romans, I'll make note of it. But otherwise, really, it's really about continuity, I think, is the most important thing when we're reading. And everything is a translation. And finding a Greek word for word isn't necessarily better if it's fragmented and we don't get that, you know, flow of what's being said. So anyway, all that to say, I've gone back to the NAV just because I like how it reads better. I tried. Anyway, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us an opportunity to gather together, to hear, Lord, again, the things that you have spoken and to digest them and allow them to shape our lives, to nourish our lives, to strengthen us and to guide us father we are grateful for this time and i do pray for those who are unable to make it lord uh, for various reasons lord i do pray for uh, beth's mom and just you bring healing to her from the fall lord and you continue to strengthen her and those who are sick and unable to be with us lord pray you restore their health Uh, for gil who's not feeling well be with him And again, Lord, we are grateful for the blessings we have, the things that we enjoy. Uh, May we be thankful, may we be mindful of how much we do have, Lord, and truly be uh, gracious, Lord, to those who don't have as much in whatever ways we can. Lord, we thank you for this time and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 20. We're going to look at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. This is, again, one of those parables when you read it, at first it just doesn't seem fair. There's a few parables that you kind of go through them, and it's like, that just seems wrong. It doesn't seem like that's a good thing. But remember, the point or the idea of a parable is to take these kind of two ideas and throw them together. And usually there's some kind of uh, twist. The story is meant to have a little bit of a shock. And, And what happens is it forces us to think about how we're thinking. And so those areas that strike you as, well, that doesn't seem right, is intentional because it's supposed to make you aware of maybe how you're not thinking right in another area that has to do with the story that he's... or the things that he's talking about. So let's start at verse 1. Again, chapter 20 of Matthew. Jesus says, "'For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner "'who went out early in the morning "'to hire workers for his vineyard. "'He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day "'and sent them into his vineyard. "'About nine in the morning he went out "'and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing.'" When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who has hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. When he starts off and he says the kingdom of heaven is like, a lot of times we'll hear the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, and they're really interchangeable. And what he's talking about is the behavior or character, usually, of the king or contrast of those who belong or don't belong to the kingdom or even the nature of the kingdom itself. And and this parable is kind of talking about all of those. It's kind of covering all these different areas about the kingdom of God. And, And so as he's doing this, He's trying to give us understanding of what the kingdom of God is like. But when he starts this parable, really it starts in the previous chapter. If you read the last verse of chapter 19, verse 30, it says, But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And that's how this parable ends. And so what we have in between really is... Him trying to expound what that means, where the last shall be first and the first shall be last. This parable is helping us to kind of understand that. And this inclusion helps us to look at what is being said a little bit more closely And this happens a lot of times in scripture. It happens, uh, throughout. You'll hear a story like in Genesis, uh, chapter 39, where it'll be talking about Joseph. It'll say, you know, Joseph was successful. And then you'll hear that, you know, the read on where Joseph worked for Potiphar and was raised up in his household. And then he went to prison. And then this happened to him. And then he got Uh, elevated in the prison, and then later on you'll see that, you know, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success. And so it started with the Lord was with Joseph, gave him success, ends with that, and in between it shows how. It kind of illuminates what was taking place in the story. And that's what's happening here between the first and the last. It's really Jesus trying to help us understand this by giving us this parable. And it's something that we then read or hear and have to digest, have to think. What does this mean? Why is he saying this? What is he trying to get to the point? And we'll look about about that a little bit more. Um, first, let's talk about vineyard work. Okay, he's hiring people to go work out in the vineyard, and this is day labor. This is unskilled labor. These are people who are just doing physical labor. A day labor, in many senses, was actually even less than a slave. A slave had consistent work, had a place to stay. Oftentimes, a day labor was someone who did not have stable work, and so it was all about what job they could get. And you really you think about, say, if you go to a Home Depot and you see those guys standing there waiting for work, right? It's similar to that. They don't have a consistent job, so they go looking for work, hoping someone will bring them in and take them there. This is probably even less, because some of those guys are actually skilled laborers, but these people most likely were unskilled. They didn't know how to do you know, woodwork. They didn't know how to do pottery. They didn't know how to do anything, but they could go out in the field and, and pull things, pull the, you know, grapes off the vine or whatever it is. And so what would happen is the owner of a vineyard would hire as many people as he could to try and get the job done quickly. Because if it's time, let's get it now while the time is right before heavy rain comes, causes damage before the next day is a scorcher. The more time that goes by, we could actually lose the crop. And so the whole idea is we need to get as many people, get this done as quickly as possible. And so he's hiring and he's hiring and he's hiring to try and get these things done. The idea of a denarius, it was enough money to take care of you for a day. It could provide you maybe a meal and maybe a place to stay for one day. And that's it, right? So it's just enough to help you make ends meet. Might not even be enough for a place to stay, but at least enough to eat for that day. And he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day. He actually bargained with them, it says. He agreed, that word is, he bargained with them And he's trying to say, okay, what's fair? Okay, I'm going to give you this amount. I'm going to give you this day's wage to do this day's work. Something that's interesting is when in verse three, when he says about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. He doesn't tell them how much. He just says, I'll pay you whatever is right. And then it says, so they went. The King James Version says they went their way. And there's two ideas here. One is they went to the vineyard to work, and the other is that they left. They just said, nah, if you're not going to tell us how much, I don't think I want to work. And they actually left, which I actually think is true, and I'll explain why a little bit later. They just said, nah, so they went. Okay, and so that's kind of two ideas. They went their way, most likely they left, didn't go to work. And then the last hour, the last few hours, these people are desperate. Okay, especially in the last hour, five, usually a work day is from six in the morning to six at night. And so if he's hiring some people at five, they've got one hour, they've been out there the whole day, we need to get anything. If I don't get anything, I'll have nothing to buy food. Whatever you pay me will be better than nothing. So they're desperate. And and so you see kind of this level uh, of things that are taking place here. And as pay times come, or as pay times comes, those who work late get paid first. And then they see, oh, they got the denarius. They got that wage. And the people who are hired first are thinking, oh yeah money. It's coming our way. They're they're thinking to themselves, we're going to get more. It ends up they don't. And so they grumble. And that word grumble, it it almost concludes the word of what's taking place. Like, It's kind of this mumbling. They are grumbling. And they're talking and they're complaining about these things. Now, if this parable was just about work and workers and fairness, we'd have some serious issues with it, right? It's like, that's not fair. These people worked one hour and they got paid the same. That's just not fair. At least I'd have serious issues with it. But it's not. It's about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Now, parables are not to help us understand what we think, but to disrupt what we think. They're to change how we think or to illuminate even how we think, but it won't make sense unless we see it through the lens of the gospel of the kingdom of God, right? We have to see it through the good news, the God news, what God is doing, the kingdom of God. When we put those glasses on, then things start to unfold in a different way. Then it begins to make God sense. It starts to help us understand things in a different light of what God is like, of what the kingdom is like, what his character is like. And and so context is so important. Parables are seldom, if ever, meant to just stand on their own. It's not like Jesus ever just said, hey, you know what? I got a story, I'm gonna tell you something. And he just breaks out in parable. They are always, that I can remember, connected to something that he was talking about, and here is an illustration to help us understand what's going on here. They're connected to what Jesus has previously been saying. Most of the disciples would talk to Jesus about what they could see, what they understood, right? We want to know what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And we'll see even in the next chapter, you know, that... Or, yeah, later on, the mother's uh, sons of Zebedee come and say, who's going to sit on your right or your left in your kingdom? This is what we can see. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? This is what we can see. They're always trying to understand what they can see. And Jesus is trying to run them into an iceberg, right? Something that they can't see that's just as important. In fact, it is huge. You're looking at this little piece of ice, but there's something huge underneath that you're missing. And so Jesus is trying to run them into this iceberg, something that they couldn't see, and it's going to sink their way of thinking, or it's meant to. It's meant to bring that kind of collision, and that's what parables are usually about. And what they can't see, what's there, and what they need to become aware of Jesus is giving them this story to help them understand. So what is the context before and what gives this account? Well, we know that the first will be last was in chapter 19, verse 30. But even that word, but, many who were first will be last is a conjunction. It's connecting to something that is previous. Well, what happened previously? Well, previously... The disciples, Peter is named, who who asks, what will we get since we've left left everything to come and follow you? And Jesus says, you're going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes, right? And their mind of thinking is yes, and then he says, but what those who will be first will be last, and then he gives this story. But even before that, there was a, a story of a rich man who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the law, you know, to obey these things. And the the man said, I've done these since my youth. And then Jesus said, one thing you're lacking, go and sell all that you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. And it says that the man left and went away sad because he had a lot of possessions. And so the disciples are like those who came at the beginning of the day. What will we get? We've been here since the beginning. We're giving it all. We've been here in the heat of the day. We are giving ourselves to follow after you. What are we going to get? They're kind of filling in that role. The rich man asking what must he do to get eternal life keep the law give to the poor goes on he's kind of like the man who wanted to know what must i do how much is this going to cost what will i get what are the wages necessary to pay to get into to get eternal life and he's like the ones who went away right and that's why i think because the same word that's used that says he went away in verse 22 of chapter 19 is the same word is went. they went in chapter 20, verse 5. There was no specifics. Jesus said, come and follow me. Well, what, what, what are you follow you into what? Just sell everything, give to the poor, come follow me. And he couldn't do that. How much are you going to give us? Well, I'll give you a fair wage. I don't know enough. They can't do that. And so he leaves just like they left. There's even a story before the rich man that I think this is connected to, and that's a bunch of children coming to Jesus. And they're all climbing all over him, and the disciples are wanting to shoo them away. And Jesus says, no, let the children come to me, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. And I think the children represent those who come at the very last hour. And so I think Jesus here in this parable is wanting to show the disciples what is happening. He's helping us understand what took place with the rich man and also giving us insight to how children are in all of this or why the kingdom of heaven is like this for the children. And what Jesus is doing here is he's making the disciples a big you-miss-the-point sandwich. All right? It's in between two pieces of the first shall be last and the last shall be first bread. But in between is a whole big, you missed the point. The kingdom of God is not about how much work you do. It's about how good God is and how he will give you what you need. Really? Are we going to be serving you, what are we going to get? Remember the mindset that they had, and I think that we have many times. They had the mindset, Jesus is coming. He's going to set up the kingdom of God, and we're his disciples. That means we are going to be reigning. We are going to be people of authority. We are going to be in great position here. That is their idea. And Jesus is saying, nah, you're missing the point here. The first shall be last, the last will be first. And and look at the parable through this lens of the gospel and everyone is given a denarius. Everyone is given a day's wage. Everyone is given what they need for that day. Does that sound familiar? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Jesus is saying, I will give everyone what they need for that day. I'm giving you what you need. Everyone. I'm giving what they need. No matter when they come, no matter how much work they've done, no matter who they are in this story, they're getting what they need. So the disciples, we've left everything to come follow you. You'll get what you need. And they're thinking, well, we're going to get a lot because we are the 12. We are the ones with him. We will be reigning. We are going to, and their idea of judging over the tribes in their mind has one meaning. And Jesus is running them into the iceberg and saying, I don't think you understand what it means. They provided, yeah, the manna provided that day what they were supposed to need, exactly. And so this parable is to help them understand that, right? Give us this day what we need for this day. And then you've got the kids. Kids didn't do anything. They just came and sat on Jesus' lap, played with him, whatever kids do. And they were welcome. I remember what it was like when my kids would try and help me mow the lawn. It would take me twice as long. All right? They want to want to help, and it was like, okay, I've just got to walk a lot slower. I have to be careful turning the lawnmower. I, I okay, no, you got to pick that up. No, okay, let me sweep up where you dropped it. And it seems like they thought they were helping, right? And they would want an allowance for helping me, even though it took me twice as long, right? And the whole idea of them helping was just kind of for their sake. But really, they didn't do anything to help me. And it wasn't that they were so helpful that I would give them the allowance. It was really just being generous. You know, really, you took me longer you made it long longer for me or harder for me to work, but here's the money for it, right? And that's really kind of the picture. What did the kids do? Did nothing. But that's okay. It's not about what they could do. It's about how gracious this landowner is. Doesn't he have the right to be generous with what's his? And that's the whole point. The work that we do is an expression of what we do. It's not a value to let us earn anything from God. It is just an expression of what we do, just like the kids. It's an expression of I want to help, but it's not really helping. It's just an expression, I want to do something. In John 6, 29, it says, the work of God is to believe the one who he sent. Right, The work of God is really just to believe. It's not so much doing things as it is trusting the one. The landowner is more generous than we are. God accepts the children who do nothing, the play and the disciples who actually give their lives. He's that generous. And so the complaint, right? Their complaint is twofold. One is you made them equal to us. We were here at the beginning and you made them equal to us. The second is we bore the work and the heat of the day. It's not fair. You made them equal with us, and then we worked in the heat of the day. They didn't. Well, first of all, they are equal to you. You're a day laborer. You're no better than them. They are equal to you. You're unskilled laborers. You're no better than they are. And when a person works in the heat of the day, or bears the heat of the day, does that earn more favor? Does that earn more love from God? When a person has to work to earn love, you miss the point of love. You're missing the whole point of what is taking place here in the kingdom. And so what seems really unfair to us is because we're looking at what we can see and we're missing the attitude and the character of what we don't see, that what shapes the kingdom of God. We made more of a sacrifice than they did. They made no sacrifice. They agreed to work, live for their landowner. That's the sacrifice doesn't matter where you are in that. If you choose to live, choose to work, then you've given yourself to the landowner and then you trust him for your wages. And and in the spiritual sense, he's saying, they have as much right to be there as you and I have as much right to be as generous to them as I am to you. Remember, I hired you for a certain amount. You agreed on it. I'm not being unfair to you. I'm being as good to you as I am to them. And your problem isn't that I wasn't good to you. Your problem is I was real good to them. Which brings the character issue of our own hearts, right? Have you ever been in a place of work where someone wasn't as good as you in the job and made more money? Everyone's done that? (laughs) (laughs) So how does that make you feel, right? I mean, I can remember one time there was one of the people who worked, I was foreman of a a warehouse that was um, doing uh, fire sprinkler fabrication, (laughs) And I was overseeing it. There was one guy, lunch would come and go, and I couldn't find him. And then he'd be in his car asleep, right? And I'd go in there, and I'd like bang on the car. Hey, man, we're working. Come on, get out here. And it would happen all the time. He would go, come in late, come in late in the morning, try and leave early. And he got paid pretty good because he was the boss's nephew. There you go. Right? And it frosted my flakes, right? I mean, it just kind of like... Man, this isn't right. This guy should not be getting paid this money. I'm doing a lot of his work because he's incompetent to do it. And so you complain. I mean, if someone came in and automatically you've been working at the company for 20 years and they're in the same pay scale as you, get the same 401k as you, everything is the same, it, it would irk you. It would upset you, right? That's how we feel. When we see something, they're getting too much. Well, are you getting a good wage? Yeah, but they I should get more if they're getting that much. Because we want to compare. And we do that in so many areas of life. We do it in relationships. Hey, I went with you to see that chick flick. You can go with me and see Black Panther, Okay. Right? Or, or whatever it is. I mean, I, I did this for you, so I expect you to do this for me. And we have this kind of reciprocity. I, I scratch your back, so you have to scratch mine. When my kids were little, it was so funny. They would take turns scratching each other's back, and they would count to make sure it was even. Right, They'd say, one, two, and they'd count to ten. Okay, now it's your turn. And you'd have to say, no, you just did it to nine. I did it to ten. You did it too fast, right? It was all about, I have to get as much as you. This kind of comparison. The last who come are those who have no value to offer except themselves. Right. The last is the widow with the two mites. All she has is two pennies. The last are, are the lepers who are healed. The, the last is the thief on the cross. They have nothing they can give to the kingdom. They, they can't do anything. And maybe it's because you have nothing. There's nothing separating you from God. There, there's nothing holding you back. And you're just saying, this is all I have. The last are the children who can't offer anything except themselves. They can't offer their ambition, right? Like the disciples, I want to be this, I want to be that. They can't offer their possessions like the rich man. And it's okay to come with nothing. God accepts you with nothing. In fact, his kingdom is fair and provides for even those who have nothing. Because the kingdom is built on servitude, not on lording over. Jesus would tell the disciples, don't be as the Gentiles who lord over you. I have come to be a servant. If I'm your Lord, shouldn't you also serve others? See, you're missing the whole point here. And here's this little, you know, missing the point sandwich that I'm telling you about. It's interesting because then right after this, the mother comes with the two sons of Zebedee and says, please let my son sit at your right hand and and your left. Let them have positions of honor in your kingdom. Jesus has got to be going, oh, I just told the story. I just told them. But it is so embedded in their minds and in ours, this idea of I've got to earn it. I'm better than them because I know more. I know what's right. I do more. I read my Bible more. I pray more. I go to church more. I tithe more. I'm right with God because I do these things. And then here comes somebody and God says, oh yeah, he gets the same as you. And it's like, what? I've sacrificed my time, my energy to serve you. I've gone out in the mission field. I've taken cold showers for you, God, right? It's not fair. Here's the big, you're missing the point sandwich. You don't understand. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. The landowner, the king, the, the God we serve, the kingdom of God will provide what is necessary for anyone who comes, no matter when they come. And it isn't about hierarchy, and it isn't about position. It's about relationship. So, if this is the case, if the kingdom of God looks like this, if the kingdom of heaven is this generous, then how should that affect us in the way we do everything? The way we do business. There's nothing wrong with making a good living. But what will you do with what you have? Will you give to the poor? Like he told the rich man, will you provide? Will you still follow after Jesus? Or will you hoard up for yourself? What will you do? Will you be like the kingdom or will you be like someone in this story. And what would happen if we really did care more about people who were starving than we did about prophets? You know, there are millions of people who are starving in our world. The Syrian refugee crisis, there are people literally starving And we have the food that could supply them what they need, but we won't make any money on it, so we won't do anything. Is that okay? Should we maybe do something and maybe make a little bit less so that they could have enough for the day? I was reading how much Americans spend on cosmetics, and on other kind of luxuries. And it was in the billions. We could provide clean water for everyone in the world with the, with the money we spend just on things like that. Crazy, right? And this isn't to guilt trip everyone. It's just to make us aware that our priorities are pretty upside down sometimes. We, we think about things in a very upside down way. Very much like this parable. I do this, I deserve this. And God is saying, well, I want to give that person their daily needs as well. It's like, but look at they haven't done anything. I know but I care for them. Now, again, this is a simplification to all the things that we encounter, right? We have people who are homeless where if we just give them, they can maintain their problem lifestyle sometimes if it's addictive or whatever. So there's a lot more of a conversation that can be had in these areas. But I think the point is that our attitude sometimes needs a wake-up call, just like the disciples did. It needed a wake-up call. You guys are seeing things the wrong way. It looks more like this. But they still didn't quite get it. Any questions on this parable or thoughts? Maybe that come, came up from the story. Yeah, I mean there's a lot that goes into that depends on the job but I mean sometimes it isn't fair, right? Sometimes it is the owner's nephew or sometimes it is someone who um I don't know, you know, you could even go into different kinds of issues with, you know, do people make the same, you know, if they're um uh, a man or a woman or is it you know, education uh, versus skill, Uh, all those things play, you know, oh, they went to college, so they get more, but they don't know how to do a better job, right? So why are they getting more? Well, because of the education. I mean, there's a lot of things that can come into that play that you just have to kind of say, well, is this fair or isn't fair? But again, the whole point is the kingdom of God isn't run like that. You know, the kingdom of God is not like this area where this, I would be upset if someone, you know, let's get, if I'm working hard and, I mean, yeah, I would get ticked off. Yeah, I, um, yeah, maybe touch on that. That was a good one. So I, I, I don't know if I should touch on it now. Um, I think there is an expectation of what we've been given, you know, where this isn't... An expectation on what we're given. This is what we, what the, what God is giving. So that that one would be kind of something that would come after after God has given you this. What do you do with God? What God has given you, as opposed to earning. You know where this one is kind of like: Do you earn what God has given you, or what do you do with what God has given you? Um, there's an expectation to that. Well, I think it is awakening, and you can maybe identify with a few. I, I think the ones that's interesting is the one who went away. You know, the one who did no work got nothing. You know, they just left. The rich ruler, or what we call him, the rich man, he just left, and he got nothing because he left. You know, where the ones who stayed all day and the ones who just got there at the end of the day they got something because they were present. You know, I, I think to me that's kind of what struck me is am i going to be present am i going to be involved and then am i going to be comparative right all pride is comparative you know the only reason a guy who makes 1.8 million dollars complains about the guy who makes 2.1 million dollars is because he's comparing cuz i don't think anyone should complain if they make 1.8 million dollars a year right i think that's enough why would you complain? Because you're comparing. And that always has to do with pride. Pride is always a comparison. I deserve. And the whole point here is the kingdom isn't like that. You see, the children aren't comparing. The children are just in relationship. You know, the rich man, he couldn't give up what he had. He was too. His hands were too full to let go and reach out to God. And then the disciples, they wanted their position because they're the ones who gave up their fishing and all these things to follow jesus so we we need to be compensated for this it's kind of their mindset and then jesus is just like yeah here's here's something for you and he would continue to teach that to them but any other thoughts no well let's pray Father, I do thank you for, again, these words and how they do challenge us in the way we think. I pray that you would help us to check our own thoughts and see where we are, Lord, in relationship to this parable, to see if we have a problem with your generosity, if we have a problem with you being more gracious than we are. And may we ask ourselves, why would we be? And if there is this area of pride or this comparison, I I pray it's exposed. Lord, I think the hardest thing for us to see is pride. It is something that we are all able to see in others but blind to see in ourselves. And it's parables like this that help to expose some of those things in us. So help us to grow, Lord, mostly in our relationship with you. Be responsible for who we are, how we think, and how we love. we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com